0: He's got a little bit of time. I know the House is busy with votes. Congressman Kelly Armstrong, welcome back to After News Live. Busy week. Did you catch up on everything?
1: Uh, yeah, so uh, I got home for 24 hours. I was probably flying as much as you were back and forth to Frisco, but got back in here yesterday. We picked our committee chairman, and today was I was just telling uh, your producer offline that it was a normal day of just running, running ragged in the normal way of Congress as compared to last week, which was very abnormal.
0: Yeah, I say last week it felt like we weren't going to get back to a state of normal. Uh, you and I've been in that situation on the on the state level where, you know, there was a chamber and it just happened to be the House at the time that delayed and prolonged things. And I, I just remember how extremely frustrating it was to to look at kind of the circus go on. But what happened out last week with uh, some of your members, I mean, that had to be some of the most frustrating moments that you've had out in Congress.
1: Uh yeah, I mean, be, listen, it's 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 interesting and in how it all works out. I think the actual end product turned out to be pretty pretty dang good, actually. Uh, I as a as a member not in leadership, uh, it's pretty nice to know that the rank and file members have more access to amendments, uh, single subject bills, and we're just different. I mean, the two conferences are dis- different not only ideologically, but I mean, it's not just the Freedom Caucus that if you printed a 1,200-page bill on the speaker's copier at midnight and told us to vote on it on the floor at noon the next day, the only way we're going to work and function is under regular order. I wish we could have got it done earlier, but I think at the end of the day we got a pretty good product.
0: I was going to ask uh, what, what the product was. Uh, you know, What took so long? I, I mean, what, what was the, the crux of the, the stalemate? I mean, was it well, just about, I, hey, as average members, I want more say? Because I understand that, but that's not what we are hearing outside. No, it's
1: not just that. Yeah. Tyler, it's not just that. I mean, some of it's 12 years of history between the Freedom Caucus and leadership in the House. Some of it, you have a group of 220 people who all think they have the best single ideas uh, to run the country. Some of it was just strictly personality and trust issues. And uh, I've said this before to other people, and I think it's true, uh, the, the friction between – the Freedom Caucus and leadership has existed now for about 12 years. And I think four years of Trump and then two years of the minor, four years of the minority have papered over it, but it kind of came to a head. And when it did, I, I, I gotta, I gotta tell you there were people on both sides of the aisle that actually went into rooms all through this whole process that really were negotiating in good faith. And there were some that weren't. And I mean, that, that is just abundantly clear, but, uh, Again, I wish the process wasn't that messy, but I think the product that came out for our rules package gives us the best chance to succeed with a narrow majority.
0: You were commented uh, or quoted in in Politico during this fight, saying, "If we get through this, it's just the beginning, not the end." I'm curious what you meant by that.
1: Yeah, so that's a good friend of mine, a reporter. Uh, His phone had died. It was a little more optimistic than that. I (laughs) everybody can, you know. Well, no, and and he is, and I talked to him about it. It's like, well, this is three days, and everybody thinks as soon as the speaker vote happens, we're done. Well, no, we're just starting. Uh, that's why, like, when they're talking about, I mean, and this is really inside baseball, and the American people don't care about it. Uh, they just want us to deliver a good product, but I don't want a rule to get taken down on the floor of the House. I'd rather have the fight in the rules committee than have it happen on the floor. So what I meant was, is if we don't get this right and we're not all talking to each other a lot more we're going to have I mean we're not going to make it 2 years without real significant bumps in the road that's just anybody saying that is not being truthful Boom. but the speaker votes just the beginning when you get in this situation and everybody's been on the floor for 3 days they act like it's the end and I'm I'm glad we got speaker McCarthy in the chair and I'm glad we're getting ready to do the work of the American people but that wasn't the end of anything it's the start of the 1800s
0: As far as uh, getting things started here, you got the speaker. You're right. There are things that uh, listeners do care about, and I think Mm -hmm. that's fair when it comes to you know priorities. You have a divided government. It's going to be tough to have some things pass both these chambers. If anything, I think is the the optimism on some people. But there was uh, it was reported, and you can correct the report right here. You know that some of the early slideshows that were in your conference earlier today talked about mandatory spending. Debt ceiling. As far as the biggest fights inside of your caucus here, what do you expect over the next few months and years?
1: Yeah, I think. I mean, I think the first big test will be the debt limit. Uh, I will tell you, I'm on uh, uh, in a, a caucus. I'm on RSC, and when we sent a leader, uh, what sent a letter objecting to raising the debt ceiling last Congress, I told the Republicans in the room, I said, "That's great. We're the minority. That's an easy vote. Just show up and vote no." I'd like some language in this letter that lets leadership know that we are also going to have real problems with the debt ceiling in the majority. If we don't get some spending reform and I stand by it, it's through almost $32 trillion in debt. Uh, everybody continues. It's something I've cared about. Uh, I've never, I mean, I, I didn't vote for the budgets under President Trump. And we have to figure out a way to get this under control. Otherwise, China end, uh, ends up winning this fight without ever firing a shot. And it's the single biggest threat we face in a, as a country. But People, the, oh, the, hard, the hardliners on the conservative side of our conference also have to recognize that everybody's at the table. with divided government. We can't pass something without Senate approval. So, This is, I mean, essentially been sometimes my frustration or my arguments with colleagues I vote with nine out of ten times is you have to understand you take whatever you can get. You work, you fight as hard as you can for the most concessions you can get. And in divided government, sometimes that's the best you can do. And that's how we have to approach this, because if we draw if we draw a line in the sand, we're never going to get anything done. And I don't think that's what the American people want either.
0: Uh, drawing lines in the sand, are Social Security, Medicare over that line for you as far as cuts? Uh, th- that's one thing that I, I think has been pushed out there. I can look at my Tax club as well, you know, saying, look, you know, for somebody that's, say, under 56
1: type situation, but uh, is that a red line for you so or there's, not, there's, there, So there's two schools that are, yes. It's red lines. Now, if you're going to talk about reform to Medicare, reform to Social Security, that you can get bipartisan support for that doesn't turn into a thing and keeps these things solvent and and keeps them from continuing to move up. Um, I think that is appropriate. And there's two schools of thought. That, and, and both of them have weight. There's two. One, you can't really do anything on mandatory spending unless you have the House, the Senate and the White House. I tend to think that's not accurate. I think the only time you have a chance to get something done that takes to, that, that looks at the long-term solvency of all of this mandatory spending is in divided government, because I think if you can come to a negotiation, a deal that actually solves some of these problems, it's harder to wage a political war, the political war that'll happen every every other November if both sides have some skin in the game. So cuts, no, not just you don't just cut them. You can't just cut them. That's not, I mean, particularly with Social Security, the reason I call it mandatory spending and not entitlement. People have paid into this their whole life. It's not an entitlement. It never has been an entitlement. It is mandatory spending, and if we can figure out ways to reform it and keep it, solvent moving forward, I'm all in. But I'm not interested in just cutting it.
0: Congressman Armstrong, our guest, uh, I, I want to mention a, a tweet that you had. I'll get your take cause you talk about divided government, and you, uh, your tweet is about Democrats gave the IRS billions in taxpayer dollars to hire 87,000 uh, agents and go after hardworking families and small businesses. House GOP first bill. In the majority is to defund this overreach and maintain uh, our commitment to government that's accountable. And I want to read this uh, uh, this text that came in to you and get your response. Uh, Tyler yeah. comment for Congressman Armstrong: As a Republican and tax preparer, the funding was badly needed. Updating IRS antiquated software will substantially reduce billions in fraudulent refunds. In addition, they will be operating with equivalent staff as they did in 1970. If everyone that just pays their fair share of taxes. We could cut into the deficit. It would be irresponsible to eliminate the funding. I'm curious your response to that, Republican tax preparer.
1: Yeah, except the money wasn't designed to update the software. The money was specifically designed to hire 87,000 new IRS agents. That's what the bill did. Now, there's two different ways you can look at it. And if you want to go after billionaires, I think we should get rid of a lot of the deductions and have more of a fair tax code. I think that would work out better for normal, regular um, mom-and-pop businesses that don't have an entire floor full of accountants to figure out their way around it. But the bill didn't update software. The bill hired new agents. Now, there's two ways you can look at it. They were going to use 87,000 agents to go after the top 1%, which seems like an extreme amount of overkill, even for Democrats. Or it was never really about hiring agents. And The way the budget gimmicks work, it was about getting the top line on the last Uh, on the last bill, Build uh, build Back Better or whatever it was built down, because every agent, only in government, only in government budgeting, can you do this where you do where, but paying this much money, you actually get money back. So either way, it wasn't an appropriate bill. It wasn't an appropriate use of uh, taxpayer dollars and I was completely comfortable making that vote. Uh, Congressman Armstrong, we're having a little bit of an issue with uh, Tyler. He had a little drop at uh, at home, but uh, we'll continue with the, the conversation. If you can hold on just through a very short break and we can get Tyler back online, will that work for you? Yeah. All right, excellent. We'll be right back with Tyler and Congressman Kelly Armstrong right after this.
0: gonna get, get right back to my guest Congressman Armstrong and Congressman I apologize you know work from home is great when uh, equipment actually works and holds out. Technology can be a beautiful thing when it's flawless but that is not the world we live in. Here. Yeah
1: I see, yeah I'm glad I, I'm if you're sick I'm glad you're not making anybody in your office uh, sick but in the realm of things I've seen happen under remote work in the last two years, this one's finer.
0: Yeah, well, uh, thanks for for uh, bearing with us here, being flexible today. I do want to ask uh, this uh, question of you because uh, I was uh, getting people uh, their response earlier when it comes to classified documents. What in the world's going on here? I mean, if you and I go to a the library in Dickinson, you got a librarian that knows who's taking what, where it is, and when it's supposed to be back. I asked you earlier uh the last year about uh former president donald trump having his classified documents or our classified documents i should say reported now that joe biden had some their the lawyers found it reported it to archives i mean can we fix this process what's going on here congressman
1: well i think part of it is listen whenever or whenever i mean president trump's involved everything amps up to uh president trump levels but yeah this is serious i'm uh I don't know enough about it. The old lawyer in me always kicks in in these things. Uh, I know we have a lot of people. uh, It is being treated very differently. It may be very different. I don't know that yet. I am a little concerned that they knew about it a month before the election. again. Uh, So that is something that has piqued my curiosity and trying to figure out some of those things. But I think, uh, I I mean, listen, I I, I think this is uh, part of, uh, the process, and we have to figure it out. I, I mean, this is—it it doesn't matter if it's President Biden. It doesn't matter where it's at. It's—I mean, we got to get ourselves to a place where these kind of things, uh, I mean, just simply aren't treated so differently depending on what side of the aisle you're on.
0: Well, I, I mean, as far as just the the lack of what appears to be oversight on something, when we when you think about top secret, I mean, that's as top as it goes. And, and then to find out that here we are again, uh, again, if a librarian in any rural town here. Can have a better catalog system of what belongs to them. I think the U.S. government should have a better understanding of what the hell is out there that belongs to us and when we need to get it back here. Uh, Congressman yeah,
1: I think the flip side of that—you walk into an office and Mr. President, I'm taking this—and the President of the United States says, "No, you're not." I think that you run into a a little different concern too. But I, I just—I'm I, I'm curious about why this was—I mean—treated differently. And there may be factual reasons why it was. I haven't spent a lot of time looking at it yet. Uh, I spent all day in steering helping pick uh, committee chairman, but I am definitely mm. going to um, spend some time with this and figure out if it's being treated very different.
0: Well, and uh, the, the difference I had pointed out to our listeners was uh, from the respective parties, you know. And there was a subpoena that went out saying, "Hey, I think you got something that's ours," and there wasn't much a cooperation. I think is what what sets it apart. Uh, and perhaps uh, you would differ on uh, opinion there well, when it comes I, to I, why I, an I, FBI I, searched. I,
1: well, I think I, – I mean, I think there's a case to be made for that. Again, I would like – I there's a lot of coincidental stuff that happens right before elections and comes out right after elections, which, uh, you, you know, without casting any aspersions at this point, I'm, yeah. I'm a little curious about. <laughs> and it's Very not the good. first time that's happened.
0: Yeah. Congressman, you, you mentioned a chairman and selecting chairman. Is there one that uh, – yeah, that- you're happy with is there one there saying okay well i guess i'm just kind of curious how'd that flush out i know you were a happy huh. speaker of the house but as far as chairmans go which one should we be watching so
1: the way we pick chairmans in the house just for everybody to have a little more of a civics lesson in case you didn't get enough on c-span last week <laughs> is we have a steering committee which is made up of a broad section regionally throughout the conference and then people run for chairman. And they come in and they, I mean, they work really hard. They start doing it six, as soon as they know the chairmanship's open. They come around, they make their case, they do all of that. So it's a really tough position when you have to prefer, It's a really tough position for Kelly Armstrong when you have to pick two really qualified people amongst your colleagues. It's really good for the Republican conference because we did it yesterday and there wasn't a single one of the people that presented where it was just like, well, this guy's absolutely a lock and this guy has no chance. Uh, there were three really good candidates from Ways and Means. There were two really great candidates for Homeland, uh, Budget, and all of that. And so I'm I'm really excited about where we're going to be moving forward.
0: Final question I got for you, Congressman, and this is maybe a tongue in cheek, but have you got to meet your new colleague, uh, and, uh, Representative Santos, yet? What's your vibe? I
1: have. You know what? What is the uh, the sitting around and when you're there around for four days? Uh, I'm just it's it's I. People should just be truthful. <laughs> like, if, I don't want I, this is the greatest privilege I've ever had in my entire life is representing the state of North Dakota. But I don't want it bad enough to lie to keep it, let alone but, lie to win it. Uh, he's 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 got a lot of work to do, both internally in in the House and in the Republican conference. More importantly, he got a lot of work to do in his district to figure out what this looks like forward for him.
0: Is uh, is I know there's an ethics complaint filed, uh, I believe, by a couple. Can't of de- talk uh, about it. I'm on ethics. <laughs> oh, well, how convenient for you, but you can convenient ask, for me well, as a talk show. You controls. can ask
1: 434 other members of Congress about it. Actually, you can't. There's 10 members on ethics. It's truly the only bipartisan committee here. Uh, it's five Democrats, five Republicans, and it's just something I will not. I will not talk about because I serve on it.
0: Well, I just led to a lot of other questions in my mind, but I will respect the fact that. Uh, uh you cannot answer at this point we did have a caller affair that just wants to encourage bipartisanship congressman you got a divided uh congress here when uh you know we have things thrown out there like the irs what can get done with a republican house a democratic senate and a democratic white house before i let you go
1: telehealth rural mental health we passed a package unanimously out of uh energy and commerce last time that unfortunately we didn't get the senate to take up i uh i have uh I'm, I'm blessed with my past career as a criminal defense attorney, so there are a lot of issues I actually work really closely with Democrats on. Uh, I think if we can figure out a way to get those through the House, we have a chance again. I was really uh, frustrated at the end of last Congress on the EQUAL Act because we got it through the House with a majority of Republicans supporting it as well. So even in the midst of my first two years of Mueller and two impeachments, I got to know some members on the other side, and they're not moderate, right? It's Hakeem Jeffries, it's Jonah Goose, it's Jamie Raskin. Him and I work on civil asset forfeiture. So there are still things we can work on and move forward.
0: Congressman, as always, I appreciate you taking time to join us here on uh, KFGO. You take care, and we'll catch up uh, again next month, all right? Feel better. I'll try, my man. Congressman Kelly Armstrong, again, uh, your lone congressman right here in north dakota i got a number of messages in at three five two seven zero we'll get to all that and more as afternoons live continues to roll on right here on kfgo